This is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. News first at 59 past the hour. 77 WABC News starts now. It's 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, April 5th. I'm Noam Layden. Your forecasts from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A cloudy day on the way. High 56. Tonight and overnight, those clouds hang around low 50. And then Thursday, sun in the morning. Chance of thunderstorms in the late afternoon. It's going to be high as 75. Geez, if you are walking out the door with us right now, it's 50 and misty in Glen Cove, 55 in Freehold, and it's 53 and cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to. What a crazy day it was yesterday. And I feel like we're sort of in recovery mode from all of that. And then uh, we're into the holiday season, right? Good Friday, tonight, first night of Passover, Sunday's Easter. And um, my wife at home last night, I got was covering the protests. I got home late yesterday. She's uh, in the kitchen getting ready for the Passover Seder, which is tonight. We're going somewhere else. Normally we do it at our house. We have like 30 people this year. We're going somewhere else, which is great. My sister-in-law, so she's making a lot of the food. And it smells fantastic in the house. You know, getting ready to eat uh, tonight. If you don't know, you you know obviously have the matzah. You have the haroses, which is this great little sweet little dish. You got the matzo ball soup, the brisket, whatever it is you have at your meal. It's, you know, it's great. It's like a festive meal, like Easter, any other meal. You get excited about it. So she's making all this stuff. And one of the things that she brings every year to the Seder is this thing that she calls matzah crack, which is uh, she like soaks the matzah. Honestly, I don't know exactly what she does to it, but she does something with the matzah where she dips it into like this really good uh, dark chocolate and then it seals over the matzah and is kind of soft but also kind of hard at the same time. Then she puts like dried fruit and pistachio all over it and it's one of the dessert things. So she looks at me as she sees that I'm going getting ready for bed last night and she says, Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is for tomorrow. I don't want you to touch any of this because I, you know, I made more than enough, but you really, I, I'm asking you not to touch this. So I said, okay, you know, I'm not five years old. So I go up and get ready to go to bed. And I have to be honest with you, as I'm falling asleep, all I'm thinking about is how I want to, you know, chomp into this matzah chocolate crack because it's really very good. And, um, but I know I can't do it because she's downstairs making all this stuff. So, uh, 2.30 this morning when the alarm went off, I took a shower, got my clothes on, and I went downstairs. And what is it? My mother was the same way as my wife is. They have this, like, sonar, this unbelievable hearing. So, she's all the way upstairs in the bedroom. I'm all the way downstairs into the kitchen, and I'm opening the refrigerator as slowly as I can so it doesn't make any noise. And now i got to reach into this container. It's like one of these Tupperware plastic containers that kind of is noisy as well. And I pop open the thing, and I pull out a couple pieces of the matzo crack. And then about four seconds later, 
all of a sudden, I look out and I'm like, oh, my God, did she hear that? No, it's the dog starts barking at me. So now my wife's up and she's wondering what's going on. She walks downstairs. I'm able to put everything away very quickly. I don't think she knows that I took it, but boy, is it good. And then I gulped down a little milk and then came to work this morning. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Donald Trump punching back after a long, crazy day in Manhattan. There was a slew of swatting incidents in New Jersey. Chicago's elected a new mayor. We get to hear from the Nashville cops who took out a school shooter. And imagine having people show up at your door day and night accusing you of stealing their iPhone. 504, let's jump right into it. Did you watch the press conference, the rally? I don't know what you call that thing at Mar-a-Lago. I would guess I'd call it a rally last night with uh, former President Trump responding to all the criminal charges that have been slapped his way yesterday here in court in Manhattan. Incredibly, we are now a failing nation. We are a nation in decline. And now these radical left lunatics want to interfere with our elections by using law enforcement. We can't let that happen. So there's all kinds of probes into the president, not just the one here on the part of D.A. Alvin Bragg. Trump called special counsel Jack Smith, who's leading that probe into how he handled classified documents in his role in attempting to overturn the uh, 2020 election. A flamethrower while suggesting Smith name, Smith's name was an alias. He also set his sights on Fannie Willis. That's the district attorney in Georgia leading a probe into election interference, saying she's doing everything to indict him over a, what he calls a per- Perfect phone call. Trump says he never thought anything like this could ever happen in America. We were negotiating in very good faith in order to return some or all of the documents that I openly and in very plain sight brought with me to Mar-a-Lago from our beautiful White House. And then the president went after Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg. And now this massive election interference at a scale never seen before in our country Beginning with the radical left, George Soros-backed prosecutor Alvin Bragg of New York, who campaigned on the fact that he would get President Trump. Trump uh, calling his indictment an insult to the nation. It's an insult to our country as the world is already laughing at us for so many other reasons, like our open borders, our incompetent withdrawal from Afghanistan. Back here, you had the Manhattan D.A. Uh, holding a press conference. So the president, of course, was in the courthouse, criminal courthouse down in lower Manhattan. This was about 2.15. Actually, by the time he got into the courthouse, it was around 2.30. Maybe you saw just that short video of him walking from one room into the courthouse. And they had some still photographers who took some pictures of the president while he was actually in the courtroom. Then everybody was chased out. Then uh, he left, of course, then went to LaGuardia, flew back to Florida, and then Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg held his press conference where he laid out the charges against former President Trump. 34 false statements made to cover up other crimes. These are felony crimes in New York State, no matter who you are. Bragg says Trump conspired with the National Enquirer publisher and others to catch and kill these negative stories about him. Bragg says Trump made false statements regarding these payments and falsified business records. Donald Trump was arraigned on a New York Supreme Court indictment on 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. And Bragg says that Trump allegedly made illegal hush money payments to kill negative information ahead of the 2016 election. The defendant repeatedly made false statements 
on New York business records. He also caused others to make false statements. All right, there's much more to get into in this story. I was downtown yesterday with the protesters outside the courthouse. We'll let you hear about what some of those people had to say. And then there was this wild swatting story in New Jersey. Busy news day. 509, now let's continue on with the Donald Trump indictment, the uh, charges that he faced. President uh, Trump's legal team was outside the courthouse right after the president left yesterday saying that these charges are senseless. The indictment itself is is boilerplate. It doesn't allege any federal crime, any state crime that's been violated. It doesn't allege what the false statement is. Lawyer Todd Blanche there says Trump is uh, frustrated, disappointed, mad. Uh, they insist they never would be charges brought against him unless his name was Donald Trump. And it's not going to stop him. And it's not going to slow him down. And it's it's exactly what he expected. Uh, Attorney Joe Tecapino, also down in lower Manhattan yesterday, said there would never be charges against Trump again if his name wasn't Donald Trump. Normally in an indictment, you have alleged facts. So they said that this was a false business record entry to aid and abet another crime without saying what the other crime was. Yeah, so I was down there yesterday with a, a camera crew. We were webcasting uh, on WABCRadio.com. And actually, we're going to put a nice little package, if you want to see it a little bit later this morning, of all the different people that I spoke to. And it was a, it was a lot of people. But what was interesting is I think uh, the world media, and boy, there was people from all over the planet, of course, to see this moment uh, and record it. Uh, outnumbered probably the people that were protesting. So uh, about three blocks away, maybe yeah, it was about three blocks away from the courthouse was where they had most of the demonstrators. And they had them separated by um, uh, gates and stuff like that, but only by a few feet. So they could see each other. They could yell at each other. Uh, it was peaceful for the most part. I think this is a very, uh, it's very important to mark this moment because it's the first time that a former president has been charged with crime. Right, well, that's, that's Captain Obvious protester there. There uh, wasn't that many people in all. Like, if I had to guess, uh, and I, we walked back and forth with the camera crew from the courthouse to this protest just to see things that changed. And I would say on each side, there was maybe a couple hundred people on the left, a couple hundred people on the right, seemed to be evenly numbered. And what I also noticed was from covering the streets for so long and covering these protests in the past that it was a lot of the same people that I've seen over the years. Like some, I even know their names because they're sort of rebel rousers and they like to show up at these things. A crime is a crime. He's not above the law. And let's be clear, we've known for a long time that this man does harm. Even if they get him on a few charges, you know, you know, everybody knows the bogus charges. His support is already growing. You can see it in the polls. Yeah, so we were weaving in and out and trying to find people to talk to, and so were so many other members of the press. I can't tell you how many times I was stopped asking if I was <laughs> there as a protester. Meanwhile, I'm, like, mic'd up. I have a camera crew with me. But people were, you know, just desperate to find somebody new. We found interesting people, though, along the way. I've watched this man hurt a lot of women and completely attack our democracy. They're just going after him because he said he was going to run for president. It's solely to sabotage his campaign. And you know what might be the great thing about living in this country? Maybe you won't think so, but you can really live here and not have anything to do with the process. Like just go to work nine to five, go home, watch TV, eat dinner, come back, do it all over again and not know what's going on in the world. And you'll be just fine. And I can tell you this because 
because we were with a camera crew yesterday, people kept stopping me and asking me what was going on. And I would tell them, oh, today is the day that the president, ex-president, is coming to show up at court to answer these charges. And most people said, oh, okay, that's the day. But I would say there was at least 20 people who said, I don't, they knew nothing about it. I mean, nothing. They had no idea that the president had been indicted, that he's going to face these charges. Not a clue. And they seem to be going along with their lives uh, very merrily. So I came down here. I've watched this man hurt a lot of women and completely attack our democracy. They're just going after him because he said he was going to run for president. It's solely to sabotage his campaign. Yeah. And then, of course, this uh, wild moment where we were standing in the protest area talking to different people. And I look at one of the guys that I'm with and I said, I think that is Congressman George Santos over there. And sure enough, it was George Santos. I came down here to defend Trump and let everybody know that Trump is not a racist. We should stand up for Trump finally being held accountable. Yeah, so you can imagine the camera crews going crazy when George Santos showed up. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was down there. She showed up with a bullhorn. Uh, The protest was supposed to be one that she had sponsored, so we were expecting there would be like a dais and a lectern, but she just showed up with a bullhorn. Yes, it got crazy. All of the leftists surrounded her, the people who were in favor of Donald Trump trying to protect Marjorie Taylor Greene. Every single American should be concerned. They're coming after President Trump today. You can hear how loud it's getting. Yeah, so they were trying to shout down the congresswoman. Eventually, security told her, this is probably not a great place for you to be. They whisked her away. Congresswoman, what do you say to Eric Adams? Congresswoman, why are you leaving now, not staying for the arraignment? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. There was a couple of circus moments like that. All right, much more to get to on that story and a whole lot more. But at 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we say good morning, Justin Ellis. Well, good morning, Noam Lloyd, and happy Wednesday morning. Your hump day sports edition. Not a good night for local teams on the diamond as both the Mets and Yankees failed to show up last night. The Mets got shut out once again in Milwaukee, this time to the tune of a 9 to nothing shellacking other than sloppy bookends yielding two runs in the first and three earned runs in the sixth. Max Scherzer wasn't terrible for New York, but another night of virtually no offense and an incompetent bullpen proved costly for the Mets once again. They'll try and salvage the finale of the three-game set this afternoon with lefty David Peterson set to go up against Milwaukee's Corbin Burns. First pitch is set for 1.40 p.m. Eastern time. As for the Yankees, they fell flat as well in the Bronx, losing 4-1 to to the Philadelphia Phillies and handing the defending National League champs their first win of the season. D.J. LeMahieu was responsible for the lone bomber tally, sending a solo home run into the right center field bullpen in the ninth inning before the Yanks fizzled out. Domingo Herman was just fine on the bump for New York, but not good enough, allowing four runs over four hits and four and a third innings pitched. They'll send the ace and Garrett Cole out there this afternoon to try and take the rubber game of the three-game set with Philly. He'll be going up against Aaron Nola for a 105 p.m. first pitch. On the hardwood, the Nets lost 107-102 to the Minnesota Timberwolves at home. Spencer Dinwiddie led the contest in scoring with his 30 points, while Mikael Bridges clocked out with 24 and routes the loss. With the Miami Heat winning in Detroit last night, Brooklyn's lead over Miami for the number six seed in the Eastern Conference was cut to just one game. They'll try and rebound tonight in uh, aforementioned Detroit at 7 p.m. when they're set to tip it off at the Pistons. As for the Knicks, they'll be back on the court tonight at 7 p.m. as well in Indiana against the Pacers. And finally on the ice, the Devils skated to a dominating 5-1 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Dawson Mercer was a clear-cut star of the game with his first career hat trick. 
while Vitek Vanacek shut down the pins with his 22 saves between the pipes, who win for the Devs. Also knocks Pittsburgh out of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference with just four games left in the regular season. And ice hockey action to look forward to tonight. The Rangers skating back on the ice. They'll welcome in the Tampa Bay Lightning for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. So much more to get to on this Wednesday morning. Chicago has a new mayor. We'll hear from him before the morning is out. A crazy swatting incident in New Jersey shut down a bunch of schools, very similar to what happened in the Hudson Valley last weekend. It's the end of a line for a well-known bus line. Those stories and more coming up, but first at 5.20, a check of Wall Street. Here's Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Lou Dobbs. Economic weakness drags stocks lower. The bank crisis drives oil prices and manufacturing declines. Those stories next. Economic concerns rising on Wall Street. Stocks finishing lower yesterday. The S&P snapped a four-day win streak. Job openings fell below 10 million for the first time in nearly two years. The recent bank crisis forcing OPEC's hand, announcing a million barrel a day production cut. The move sent oil prices skyrocketing. West Texas Intermediate crude up 7% in two days. Manufacturing continues to decline. Manufacturing PMI for March hitting the lowest level since May of 2020. The March ISM services update comes today. The index expected to also decline. The U.S. Army choosing Lockheed Martin to produce JAG missiles. The multi-year deal is worth a reported $4.5 billion. Lockheed stock up 9% on the year. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521. Just want to finish off the Trump story from yesterday. So at the protest, there was a wild scene downtown when all of a sudden Congressman George Santos showed up, who, of course, is has his own problems. He's being investigated by Congress. Uh, he, there was just a scrum of reporters around him, people getting shoved out of the way. Everybody wanted to talk to him. He wasn't saying a whole lot. But afterwards, he actually spoke to Channel 7, and they asked him why he showed up yesterday. I don't know, Shante. Are you implying something I don't know? No, it doesn't. It makes me it makes me want to fight harder for freedom in our country. This is the United States of America. Given the investigations that's going on. Does that make you nervous at all? Like I said, I, I haven't been approached um, for an indictment, so I'm not understanding your question. Are you, if, if you're trying to imply something, Shante, I have an, a, house, a House Ethics Committee investigation, and I'm complying with everything they're asking me for. No, uh, look, let me make this very clear. This isn't about me. This isn't about you. This is about understanding what precedent this creates for the future of our country. So Santos has already, of course, announced that he's going to run again. But uh, yesterday, an Afghanistanian uh, Afghanistanian war veteran uh, said that she's going to challenge Santos as a Republican 2024 primary. Kellen uh, Curry, first Republican to officially challenge Santos in the 3rd Congressional District. Um, I'm sorry, I said a she. He said uh, Santos's lies made him quit his job at J.P. Morgan and run. So Santos, who has consistently defended himself, uh, of course, has refused to resign, is saying, you know, bring it on. He's no problem with uh, taking on whoever comes his way in 2024. And uh, 
one last thing from Lower Manhattan. Oh, yeah. So there was this one crazy scene, too. Well, there was a couple crazy scenes. But like I said, it was pretty calm for the most part. And the media and police far outnumbered the protesters. But um, as Donald Trump was about to be driven into the courthouse, all of a sudden this couple came out. One was in a wedding dress. The guy was in a really nice suit. And I said, is this like some sort of prank? Because there's all kind of fake Donald Trumps walking around downtown yesterday trying to fool people. But no, sure enough, the city clerk was open yesterday if you wanted to get married. And, you know, I imagine some people canceled it when they realized how close the city clerk's office was to the entrance where Donald Trump would be walking in. It was like not even a half a block away. So uh, Kayla Beckford and Peter Don did not account for the arraignment when they initially made the plans to get hitched at the clerk's office near City Hall. But uh, they decided to go ahead with it anyway. And they said, look, it's a day that they'll never forget. We thought that to some extent it was a funny situation. (laughs) And we we didn't we didn't hate the story that would come out of it. Took it in stride and saw a lot of humor in it. Um, Yeah, it was definitely chaotic, but not so much so that we couldn't get in. Yeah, so they're. Uh, appointment with the city clerk was at two o'clock. And now you'll remember Donald Trump's was supposed to show up for his court appearance at two fifteen. He showed up like one thirty or so. So uh, when they walked out, the streets were totally clear for them to walk away. But of course, they said everybody applauded for them. They said like because they felt like everybody was in on their celebration. We finished the ceremony, and right as we walked out, someone said. Trump just got out. Trump just got out. We wanted to do the legal ceremony here in what we thought might be a more uh, intimate and low-key circumstance. Yeah, well, it didn't turn out that way. To us, like, it was a way that made the day a little bit more memorable. And if anything, people were just, like, I think delighted at the fact that despite the chaos, a love continues on yeah like who cares it's new york there's something happening here every day and they're right about that when they walk down into the middle of the crowd people just went crazy both sides on the one side of the fence the other side of the fence republican side democratic side they got applause from everybody all right 525 last night brandon johnson a union organizer former teacher elected chicago mayor a major victory for the party's progressive wing, the Democratic Party's progressive wing, is the nation's third largest city, grapples with high crime and some huge financial challenges. Here's part of Brandon's speech from last night. A city where you can thrive regardless of who you love or how much money you have in your bank account. A city that's truly safer for everyone by investing in what actually works to prevent crime. And that means youth employment, mental health centers, ensuring that law enforcement has the resources to solve and prevent crime. Yeah, so Johnson, a Cook County commissioner, was endorsed by the Chicago Teachers Union, won a pretty close race over former Chicago school CEO Paul Vallis, who was backed by the police union. Johnson, who's uh, 47 years old, will succeed Lori Lightfoot, who was the first black woman and first openly gay person to be the city's mayor. Lightfoot, though, became the first Chicago mayor in 40 years to lose a reelection bid when she finished third in a crowded field back in February. So Brandon Johnson will soon be the next mayor of Chicago. 526.
46 now. Students at several Morris County schools put in a under shelter or shelter in place moment for a couple hours. We're going to get into that story and more. WABC News Time 528. Well, let's go out to New Jersey where several Morris County schools put under a shelter in place Tuesday morning after reports of a suspicious person near Covent Station in Morris Township. Police receive reports of a person outside of St. Elizabeth University, the school located near the borders of Morristown, Florham Park, and Madison. Shelter-in-places were also issued at a nearby high school and at Fairleigh Dickinson University. Parents were notified through a text about a possible active shooter situation on these campuses at these schools. You can imagine I'd be freaked out if I got that text. State police were all over it, of course, uh, showing up at the scene. Oh, my God, I love her. And what do you want to do today? You can do whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. Just, yeah, love her and hugs. Yeah, that's a mom who after us. So they were shelter in place began at around 11 o'clock. And by one o'clock, about two hours later, the school said, "Okay, people could leave campus. There were tons of parents waiting for their kids to come out. So what was the scoop? It looks they don't know for sure, but it looks like an incident of swatting. This is where somebody who probably doesn't even live in the area calls in false reports of active shooters. This happened in the Hudson Valley last week, sending a number of schools into just complete panic. I mean, they handled it well, but you can imagine you get that text at home with everything that happened in Nashville and every school shooting before that, you would freak out. Uh, so many parents showing up at these schools yesterday to pick up their kids, but now state police think someone called in these reports likely from somewhere else. And what's the chance they'll catch up with that person who made the phony phone calls? Almost zero. That's what they tell us. All right. 530. So much more to get to on this uh, Thursday morning. We're going to hear from the Nashville cops who took out that school shooter. And imagine having people show up at your door day and night accusing you of stealing their iPhone. Those stories and more coming up. WABC News Time is 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yeah, that's me. 533. Good morning. It is Wednesday, April 5th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Cloudy day on the way. High 56 tonight. Overnight, those clouds hang around low 50. And then Thursday, sun in the morning. Chance of thunderstorms in the late afternoon. High 75. If you're walking out the door with us right now, it's 50 and misty in Glencoe. 55 in Freehold, and it's 52 in Midtown right now. Much to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour and sit in friends in the morning. We'll start this half hour in Nashville, Tennessee, with those police officers who responded to last week's deadly school shooting. They're speaking out for the first time since that incident. Officer Rex Engelbert explaining that he was not stationed near the Covenant School and just happened to be passing through the area when a 911 call came in. I really had no business being where I was. Uh, I think you can call it fate or God or whatever you want, but... There, I can't count on both my hands 
the irregularities that put me in that position. Yeah, he, along with Sergeant Jeff Mathis, Detective Mike Colazzo, were the first officers to make contact with the shooter. During a press conference yesterday, they said it was all their training that guided them on that day. It was a week ago, Monday. The attack claimed of lives, of course, of six people, including three children. It definitely would have been more if it wasn't for the heroic efforts of these three officers. Not knowing what I was walking into, I went through that door with purpose. I, I knew the gravity of the situation and what had occurred based on the call text, the amount of callers, and it, it, it was a serious incident. Yeah, and you see that body cam uh, footage, and it's a good reminder of what these officers do daily, walk towards gunfire as opposed to away from it. Thank God they were there. What our training tells us to do in those situations and following the stimulus, all of us stepped over a victim. I, to this day, don't know how I did that morally, but training is what kicked in. Yeah, great job by, again, Rex Engelbert, Sergeant Jeff Mathis, and Detective Mike Colazza, the first three on the scene, taking out that shooter in Nashville. 535, let's bring it back home. A bus line in New Jersey, a well-known one at that, is about to cease business. New Jersey Transit is stepping in to help out when DeCamp bus lines end service from New Jersey to Manhattan. New Jersey's oldest private bus company says it's ending service this Friday. NJ Transit says it plans to provide as many alternate transit options as possible. The plan includes extending four existing NJ Transit bus routes, which will accommodate approximately 85% of current weekday DeCamp customers. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. All right, let's bring it back into the city sunset tonight. First Seder, Passover, Passover Police are stepping up patrols at the start of Passover in Long Island. North Hempstead Town Supervisor Jennifer DeSena says the goal there is that everyone gets to celebrate the holiday safely. Unfortunately, anti-Semitism is still prevalent in our country and across the world. And we need to remain vigilant and proactive to protect our communities. So far, there haven't been any specific or credible threats made against the Jewish community here in the city or out in Long Island or in New Jersey, but police say they are stepping up patrols. Down below the subways, two subway riders robbed by a group of violent bandits over the weekend. Police desperately looking for the crew behind this attack. A 39-year-old man, a 40-year-old woman, were on a one train about 8 o'clock at the 34th Street stop when six people approached them, one with a kitchen knife, another with a switchblade, demanded the man's shoes, a cell phone, and wallet. They also asked for the woman's cell phone but somehow she was able to hold on to it. But they were punched in the face several times. And uh, you can imagine people who are taking the subway when they hear this story, it makes a little more panic to get on one. I don't ride the, the trains as often as I used to. I'm a little skittish, and I've lived in New York for 40-some-odd years, and I've ridden them my whole life. I try not to ride at high traffic times. I try to stay on certain trains, not other trains. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned. With the... T- places I travel to and the times that I travel to, I feel relatively safe. I know there's isolated incidents and I think it's just indicative of what is going on, but for my personal reasons of using the subway, I rely on it. Yeah, well, if you have no choice, you have no choice. The group uh, fled the train 28th Street with uh, the belongings. Uh, There are pictures of this crew. Now police are hoping when they pass them around, somebody will recognize these creeps and turn them in. All right, let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. Of course, nothing bigger than the Trump appearance in a courtroom yesterday. The former president 
uh, after that appearance in the lower Manhattan criminal court, uh, got into a caravan of cars, of course, made his way to LaGuardia Airport, back to Mar-a-Lago, where he held essentially a rally last night and went after all the people who are going after him. Incredibly, we are now a failing nation. We are a nation in decline. And now these radical left lunatics want to interfere with our elections by using law enforcement. We can't let that happen. Of course, there's the case here in Manhattan that we'll lay out in just a moment. There's the classified documents case uh, in Florida in his home in Mar-a-Lago. These the uh, Georgia probe into election interference. The president says all of this is nonsense. We were negotiating in very good faith in order to return some or all of the documents that I openly and in very plain sight brought with me to Mar-a-Lago from our beautiful White House. And Trump going after Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. And now this massive election interference at a scale never seen before in our country, beginning with the radical left George Soros-backed prosecutor Alvin Bragg of New York, who campaigned on the fact that he would get President Trump. Yeah, Trump calling the indictment an insult to every American. It's an insult to our country as the world is already laughing at us for so many other reasons, like our open borders, our incompetent withdrawal from Afghanistan. And you might guess uh, the Manhattan DA, of course, disagrees of all of that. Uh, he laid out, Alvin Bragg, the charges against President Trump around 3.30 yesterday. 34 false statements made to cover up other crimes. These are felony crimes in New York State, no matter who you are. Bragg claims that Trump conspired with the National Enquirer, publisher, others to catch and kill negative stories ahead of the 2016 race for the White House. Donald Trump was arraigned on a New York Supreme Court indictment on 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. Right after uh, Trump left the courthouse, Lower Manhattan, yesterday, his attorneys went to the microphones in front of the courthouse, talked to the press. The indictment itself is is boilerplate. It doesn't allege any federal crime, any state crime that's been violated. It doesn't allege what the false statement is. Todd Blanche there. It's not going to stop him. And it's not going to slow him down. And it's it's exactly what he expected. Uh, attorney Joe Tacopina also there. Of course, he's been on all over 77 WABC over the last couple of weeks defending the president, says the charges uh, would not be brought against Donald Trump if his name weren't Donald Trump. Normally in an indictment, you have alleged facts. So they said that this was a false business record entry to aid and abet another crime without saying what the other crime was. Yeah, and then they had, of course, just the craziest now town, which we covered right here, 77 WABC, live stream at WABCradio.com, talking to all these protesters downtown. A crime is a crime. He's not above the law. And let's be clear, we've known for a long time that this man does harm. Even if they get him on a few charges, you know, you know, everybody knows the bogus charges. His support is already growing. You can see it in the polls. Yeah, so in a park in lower Manhattan, just a block or two away from the courthouse, that's where the protesters were. They were right on top of each other, left and right, anti-Trump, pro-Trump. Uh, they could really reach out to each other, uh, the barricades separating the two. Uh, but from what I saw, it was mostly peaceful. There were a couple people that they dragged out, but uh, I have to say those are kind of the loony people who always cause problems at these protests. I've watched this man hurt a lot of women. 
in and completely attack our democracy. They're just going after him because he said he was going to run for president. It's solely to sabotage his campaign. Yeah. And to add to the circus-like atmosphere, uh, Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene showing up at the protests. Of course, she has a right to protest just like anybody else. Uh, We thought she was sponsoring the protest. The thought of the press was that there'd be sort of a dais and a lectern, but she just showed up with a bullhorn yesterday. Donald J. Trump is innocent. This is election interference. You can hear uh, the crowd sort of surging around her, security tightening around her, people on the left not happy to see her, people on the right happy to see her. Every single American should be concerned. They're coming after President Trump today, and they will come after you tomorrow. Yeah, at at some point, I mean, this was a pretty quick moment. And within a couple of moments, the NYPD identified that this might not be safe for her. And so they asked her to leave the area, get into a car. And she did. And you can hear it was just it got kind of ugly towards the end when she was uh, before she got into the SUV. What do you say now? As I was saying earlier, in all, there wasn't that many protesters. I was surprised. I thought there'd be bigger crowds. Uh, There was. And from what I could tell from covering these protests for so many years, I was at uh, Zuccotti Park for the Occupy Wall Street protests all the years ago, uh, covering that day after day. I recognized a fair amount of people on both sides. Um, uh, there was, I will say, I will point out this, though, uh, of the pro-Trump supporters, I talked to a fair amount of them who said they had never gone to a protest before, but they were so angered by this indictment that they showed up. I did not see that on the left. I saw uh, lots of people that I recognized. And I would say in all, in this protest area, there was maybe a couple hundred on the right and a couple hundred on the left. And then by the courthouse. Maybe there was another 500 or so. Uh, the press, the police far outnumbered the protesters yesterday. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77, w, uh, 77 WABC Sports Desk. I'll get it right. Yep. And uh, Justin Alec, I think that's your name. I yeah. get that right as well. Here's yep. Justin Alec. Well, it is uh, Wednesday morning there, Gnome Lydon. So, yeah. You have that as an excuse, I oh, guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Not a good night for local teams on the diamond as both the Mets and Yankees failed to show up last night. The Mets got shut out once again in Milwaukee, this time to the tune of a 9 to nothing shellacking. Other than sloppy bookends, yielding two runs in the first and three earned runs in the sixth. Max Scherzer wasn't terrible for New York, but another night of virtually no offense and an incompetent bullpen proved costly for the Mets once again. They'll try and salvage the finale of the three-game set this afternoon with lefty David Peterson set to go up against Milwaukee's Corbin Burns. First pitch is set for 1.40 p.m. Eastern time. As for the Yankees, they fell flat as well in the Bronx, losing 4-1 to to the Philadelphia Phillies and handing the defending National uh, League champs their first win of the season. DJ LeMay, who was responsible for the lone bomber tally, sending a solo shot into the right center field bullpen in the ninth inning before the Yanks fizzled out. Domingo Herman was just fine on the bump for New York, but not good enough, allowing four earned runs over four hits and uh, over four and a third innings pitch. They'll send the ace and Garrett Cole out there this afternoon to try and take the rubber game of the three game set with Philly. 
He'll be going up against Aaron Nola for a 105 p.m. first pitch. On the hardwood, the Nets lose 107-102 to the Minnesota Timberwolves at home. Spencer Dinwiddie led the contest in scoring with his 30 points, while Mikel Bridges clocked out with 24 and route to the loss with the Miami Heat winning in Detroit last night as well. Brooklyn's lead over Miami for the number six seed in the Eastern Conference was cut to just one game. They'll try and rebound tonight in, Afor- in aforementioned Detroit at 7 p.m. when they're set to tip it off with the Pistons. As for the Knicks, they'll be back on the court tonight at 7 p.m. in Indiana against the Pacers. And finally on the ice, the double skated to a dominating 5-1 to win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Dawson Mercer was a clear-cut star of the game with his first career hat-trick, while the Tech Vanacek shut down the Pens with his 22 saves between the pipes. The win for the Devs also knocks Pittsburgh out of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference with just four games left in the regular season. And hockey to look forward to tonight. The Rangers back in action at the Garden, welcoming in the Tampa Bay Lightning for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Alec. WABC News Time 549 overnight. Uh, mayor picked in Chicago, Brandon Johnson, a union organizer, former teacher, elected mayor last night. A major victory for the Democratic Party's progressive wing. He's a progressive. He will now be the head of the nation's third largest city as they grapple with high crime and some serious financial challenges. A city where you can thrive regardless of who you love or how much money you have in your bank account. A city... That's truly safer for everyone. That's uh, Johnson is a Cook County commissioner. He was endorsed by the Chicago Teachers Union, winning this close race last night over CEO Paul Vallis, who had been backed by the police union. It's critically important that we use this opportunity to come together. And I've offered him my full support uh, on his transition. Yeah, that's Paul Vallis last night conceding the race. Uh, they're taking over for Lori Lightfoot, who had been the first black woman and first openly gay person to run the Windy City. But Lightfoot became Chicago's first mayor in 40 years to lose her reelection bid when she finished third in a crowded February contest. So a uh, new mayor there, Brandon Johnson. Uh, also overnight, at least a dozen people injured after an Israeli police raid at the Osaka uh, Al-Asaka Mosque in Jerusalem. That's one of the holiest sites in the world for Muslims. It's also the site of the Temple Mount sacred to Jews. Israeli authorities said the early Wednesday raid was in response to rioting after hundreds of people locked themselves inside and attacked police with stones. The raid comes as tensions are high and violence continues to escalate in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. Yeah, I'm imagine. Mark Mayfield. No, sorry there, Mark. I imagine those tensions will only get a little bit higher. All right, let's bring it back home. A new subway turnstile being tested out at two busy subway stations, one in Brooklyn, one in Queens. One was installed at the end of March at the Atlantic Avenue Barclays stop. Uh, the other one in Queens, which uh, connects people to JFK Airport. The MTA is looking for a design that's more accessible than that turnstile that you have to push your way through from your waist right so this one is a um it's a rotating uh gate that kind of opens it's like sliding doors and um it's wider so you could fit like a carriage through it or a stroller or something like that and so far people who've been testing out this new turnstile say they like it i don't have to get touched by the dirty turnstile and um it's better i hope it continues and i want it to stay they need more of these around the city 
Yeah, all right. So big endorsement from that commuter. The test sites are being monitored because this might not be the final turnstile, but they're testing it out. Uh, they have sensors on the floor and remote monitoring to provide data back to the company that has developed this new subway turnstile. I think turnstile is even the wrong thing to call it. It's essentially, it's a gate, but uh, people like it. I thought it was some kind of contraption, honestly. <laughs> I think they should put some kind of directions up to people to understand. Yeah, well, it's not that hard to understand. You you put your your pass through or your phone and it opens and then you walk through. But I guess it's a little complicated for her. An exotic flower known as the corpse flower has finally bloomed at the New York Botanical Garden up in the Bronx. We've been waiting for this. In fact, on our website, WABCRadio.com, we've had a camera trained on this waiting for the moment because it only happens like once every 10 years. So it blossomed. You can go to our site and see it. It blossomed and opened yesterday. But something you should know about, first of all, It can reach up to 12 feet high. It's a huge, gigantic flower. But more importantly about this flower is what it smells like. It smells horrible, like rotting meat. But for some reason, people want to go see it anyway because they want to see how bad it smells. And when they get there, yeah, they go, it stinks. And behind me is Amorphophallus titanum, also known as the corpse flower. And it's today it's opening, it's in its prime to see today. And the smell today as well. Yeah, so the important part of this is you don't have a lot of time to see it. It only stays open. So it only opens every decade, seven years, whatever it is. Uh, I think it's every decade, if I'm not mistaken, depending on, I guess, which breed of the flower it is. But um, when it does open, it only stays open for 24 to 36 hours. So if you want to see it, today's the day to go see it. Oh, rotting meat. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it, rotting meat. <laughs> there were all sorts of things like uh, types of cheese and fish and dead animal carcasses and feces. Yeah, that's what people say it smells like. But, uh, you know, you can if you go there, you get to say yeah, you were one of the people who saw this flower while it was blooming. We're actually sending a crew up there today who will capture some of your responses and images, of course, of that flower. And, of course, 70WABCRadio.com if you want to see that live video of the flower. We have it trained on it right as we speak. A homeowner in Texas says almost a dozen people have knocked on his doors at all hours of the day and night claiming that he stole their iPhones. And it's all because of some strange mistake that nobody can figure out on the Find My iPhone app, right? So normally... Sometimes I I know I track my kids this way sometimes. I can go on, look at the app, and it tells me exactly where they are. So uh, these people who have either had their phones stolen or had lost them had gone on to their Find My iPhone app, and it takes them to this guy's house in Texas. And people have been showing up at his door for like the last year now, accusing him of stealing their phones at all hours of the night, by the way. And um, he has a doorbell camera now, which has captured some of this. I had to wake up and go answer the door and explain to them that I don't have their device. And uh, people don't tend to believe you. There's plenty of irrational people in the world that if they're angry, if they're drunk, if they you know, have had a rough night and they lost their phone and thought it was stolen, um, that's my biggest concern. Someone coming to the house, um, you know, potentially with a weapon. Yeah, so he's got two young kids that makes him fearful. Schuster is a software engineer. He has his own theories about why the app is pointing everybody to his home. You can imagine he's reached out to Apple about a million times trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And nobody can seem to figure out why they keep showing up at his door, why it says that he's stolen their phones. He says, by the way, he hasn't stolen their phones. He doesn't need to. He makes a good living. Well, the cops are on their way over here, so you may want to come talk to me before they come here. 
That's people on his doorbell camera. My brother's phone was lost, and the last ping location was right here. Yeah, can you imagine just strangers showing up? At, I mean, first of all, it's brave of them on their part to show up at his house demanding they get their phone back. They don't know who this guy is. And so he's there. He said, I just got to protect my family. Yeah, my neighbors like to tease me that I'm the, the neighborhood iPhone and iPod and whatever, steal, um, thief. Uh, no, I, I mean, I don't go out much enough to uh, do that. I work from home. I have young children. I would just like it fixed. I think my kids will sleep more peacefully at night. Yeah, so we reached out to Apple but got no response to them why they would be pointed on the Find My iPhone to his house when he hasn't stolen their phones, unless there's some crazy story that he has, but it doesn't seem like that's the case.